0: welcome to episode 110 of the search with Canda podcast recorded on friday the 7th of may 2020 my name is mark williams cook and today I'm going to talk to you about the Google product review update winners and losers. So that's actually the update we spoke about last week. Uh, I've seen a really great write-up describing what's going on there. We're going to talk about some Google policy updates around digital books and shopping ads. We're going to talk about new Google features around reporting issues with indexing and not forgetting of course Bing has some interesting changes with their API and some new things we can do. Before we kick off, I want to tell you this episode is sponsored by the brilliant SiteBulb. SiteBulb, if you haven't heard of it, uh, where have you been? Uh, Maybe you're new to SEO, maybe you're an SEO veteran that's very stuck in the tools that you use. If you haven't checked it out, it's a desktop-based SEO auditing tool for Windows and Mac. I've used it for many years now, we've used it in the agency. Um, I guess I'll try and describe it if you've never... um, if you've never used it before, it is a desktop auditing tool, like I said. Um, that of course, like many auditing tools, will crawl your site with a selection of user agent. What makes I think Sitebulb very special, among other things, is they've got a really great way of after they've done the crawl, rather than just giving you the raw data back about which links are broken and you know what status codes pages are returning they actually do lots of checks for you that try and diagnose uh, actual SEO issues and prioritize them for you. Obviously prioritization is partly the job of the SEO in context of kind of everything you're doing, but especially for new SEOs and actually It does a lot of the um, kind of bulk work, if you like, even for experienced SEOs. It's a really brilliant starting point. There's also other great features that it kind of got famous for, I guess, originally around the uh, ways that they visualize crawls of a site. Now, that's more than just eye candy. It can be a really good way to spot things such as clusters of pages that aren't indexable. And certainly, um, I use those crawl visualizations to get an idea for the link structure of the site which as we know is very important. So what can you do about all this? You can go to sitebulb.com forward SWC because if you go to sitebulb.com forward SWC you will get an exclusive 60-day trial for Search with candor listeners which means you can try out Sitebulb. There's no credit card or anything required for two months and see if you like it. So no excuse not to. If you haven't checked it out do so now last week in the podcast i spoke briefly around the google product review update so this was the very specific update that google launched not a core update that was specifically looking at changing the way they rank pages that are doing product reviews and we actually went through the advice that google gave in uh, that update around the kinds of things that they expect to be in product reviews now, before I was reporting, um, recording this podcast, I came across a really interesting article by Maudey Oberstein. So you might recognise the name. Maude, uh was on the podcast uh, a few dozen episodes ago, so episode eighty-eight now. Uh, so Maudey's the search liaison for Wix, and we had a we had a nice chat there around um, kind of Wix, the SEO of that platform, the reputation Wix have. And what they're doing for SEO so I'll link to that in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk if you want to listen to that episode but Modi had researched and written an article for search engine journal which again uh, I will link to and he had done some analysis of the outcome of this Google product review update amongst various review sites Now, I'm just going to read out the methodology he used here um, because it is different to a lot of um, quote-unquote studies that we see. So, Morty says, When analysing Google updates, I try to focus on the page level. I do value big data, and it can certainly be helpful in understanding which niche an update impacted. However, I like to see what sort of content Google is now rewarding and which types of content are being devalued. To do that, we look at relationships between pages during an update. That is, for a given keyword, are these pages, uh, sorry, are there pages that have an inverse relationship? If one page shoots up the SERP and another falls off, what's the fundamental difference between those two pages from a content perspective? If you look at enough keywords, it is sometimes possible to pull patterns out of these inverse page relationships. In this particular case, I went through a few hundred keywords looking for inverse page relationships. Out of those keywords, I found roughly two dozen that showed a very clear and distinct inverse pattern between ranking pages. To be clear, what I'm about to share is based on my qualitative analysis. It is not a definite, uh, definitive study based on deep data. And he goes on later to say, however, With this particular update, the content patterns were pretty obvious, at least when compared to other updates. So I think there's a lot of value in this type of um, qualitative research. So especially when lots of people do it because you can really start to see these commonalities and it's very hard um, taking like a big data approach to, apart from see the trends, understand why they're happening Again of course as I said I'll link to the the full write-up here but you know what Maudie's doing is actually going through these pages and reading them as a human and trying to understand them and picking apart the differences and why um, why I put this on the podcast and why I want to talk about it is I just found some of his uh, conclusions actually really interesting here so he goes through um he uses rank ranger to find these inverse relationships which as he said is basically he'll find a specific keyword where um, their rankings have dropped off and another website has essentially kind of leaped in there so his first example is a search term best built in microwave and he's found a site st james gate that's kind of dropped right off from top ranking you know top three down to page two and another site called best reviews that's jumped from bottom of page two straight up to number three and the interesting thing when you go through um, Morley's analysis here is when he looks at the losing page he immediately notes that the content isn't kind of thin if you like or anything of the sort so very much not what you'd expect with a panda mindset so panda being the very old now google update that was targeting you know thin content <clears throat> and he goes on to say you know this page that's lost the rankings has a nice um write-up um and he's put some screenshots here you know there's a lot of of content there and what he's highlighted there is apart from this uh, nice intro that they've given The problem starts, he thinks, for them on the next section of the page, which is essentially we go straight into what we would call affiliate marketing or sales language. So it starts to list products where you can get them on Amazon. And they're saying things like, you know, achieve fast and delicious results with your recipes. Uh, Why not go the extra mile with this excellent built-in microwave oven? Um, This microwave oven is a blast to use. and will be excellent addition to any kitchen. And what he's noted between the two pages here is and this is something he's picked up through through these different sites is that it's, it's quite obvious that the type of content he's saying that is losing is basically a sales pitch and the type of content that seems to be winning is much more uh, kind of neutral and informational. And I think this is this just gave me a moment to reflect on. Obviously, we've seen amazing things with um, text generation, like the GPT three stuff, and certainly what Google's been doing with machine learning. And just thinking about how Google is classifying on a granular level types of content. So even yourself now, with um, with the available machine learning libraries, um, there's there's tutorials out there where you can download. Uh, Amazon reviews and you get the review text and you get how many stars that um, person gave the um, the product they're reviewing and you can train a, a machine learning model based on that to very accurately then predict it can read um, an Amazon review and predict how many stars that person gave the, the product just based on the language and obviously this is a super basic off the shelf uh you know not trained or or run by an expert kind of model so you can imagine how this is being applied you know the data set that google has is pretty much the visible web and they've got pretty smart people working on this content analysis so i found this thought really interesting around the type of pages that were winning wasn't really down to anything to do with the structure of the page or anything quite as basic as you know the content is thin or it's just repeated it actually came down to are they providing everything that we mentioned in the last episode that google was talking about what makes a good product review the only thing i found in Morty's write-up that he wrote as a as a specific thing that generally seems to help if it's present was a buyer's guide so he did find that pages that included information such as a buyer's guide tend to rank well and actually that was something, again, Google did specifically mention when they were talking about product reviews. So I find this one of the more interesting Google updates as it is very specific and it seems to go very much into what I would say is approaching um, at least, uh, at least from an analysis kind of point of view, a human level of, trying to work out is this content good or bad or am I just being sold to because we've all experienced those sites where we look at them and they're just trying to push you to to, you know to to make that sale and I can see Morty's frustration in this article when he's kind of looked through these pages and it's not immediately obvious what the difference between the pages is and he's like yeah I ended up actually having to read the content on all of these sites which I think is impressive from a ranking point of view but my kind of take away why i've mentioned this why i think it's important for seo is you know we, we really really need to be focusing um and having you know i mentioned in the last episode to have that guide give that to the people that are doing your product reviews this needs to be your basis for what you're doing it's no longer enough just to have some content and then try and push the sale uh, so I, as i said i'll link to that uh write up if you want to read it in full um, i think it's really really interesting What could be more exciting on a podcast than a Google policy update? Uh, This is happening on the 18th of May this year. Uh, I'll link to the, the news article about it on the Google Merchant Center Help website, and it's that digital books can no longer be advertised on shopping ads, so this is a PPC update. What's changing, beginning on the 18th of May, 2021, Google will no longer support the advertising of digital books globally on shopping ads. This means that all shopping ads for digital books will be disapproved at the offer level, including those running at the time that when the policy comes into effect. Only digital books will be disapproved. This includes PDFs, EPUB, books, Mobi, and there's a word in Mandarin, I assume I can't read, formats. There will be no change for physical books or audiobooks. If any physical books or audiobooks are disapproved for being incorrectly classified as digital books, please request a review in Merchant Center. We don't expect this to be a common issue and will address it swiftly if it happens. At present, Google cannot provide the best user and publisher experience to meet the high standards for digital books in shopping ads. While we understand this negatively impacts those who advertise digital books on shopping, we believe that this is the right decision to protect users, publishers, and the shopping ecosystem. And then they say, what's not changing? This update only applies to shopping ads for digital books. Buy on Google listings, which already prohibit the sale of digital products, won't be affected. Listings for other types of books, like audiobooks or physical books, won't change. So I'm I'm kind of behind this um, this policy update because from what I've seen the standard of a lot of ebooks to be honest is quite low. Um, I think even on platforms digital book platforms uh, audio book platforms like Audible um, when you do searches for various subjects you know you have um, kind of published books if you like and then a lot of self-published ebooks which the quality, uh, let's say there's a, there's a big range in quality there. So I can understand why, why Google's uh, been doing this. Why I wanted to bring it up was something very, um, I caught something very interesting about this, which is that the organic Google shopping listings will not be affected. So if you remember, Google is rolling out free organic shopping listings, which means if you have a product feed to Google, you don't always and you've submitted that through Merchant Center, you don't always have to pay to get that inventory seen. Now I saw this questioned and the answer was that this this organic visibility won't be affected. So this means if you do if you are selling digital books, ebooks, whatever, and you have them in your product feed, I wouldn't necessarily remove them because there's still a chance that they're going to appear in organic shopping results. So, this change is specifically talking about shopping ads, which are the paid for ads. So, I don't know if Google's going to tweak that or that will change, but at the moment, that's the situation, and I thought that was worth sharing. I really love it when Bing does something, because it gives us a chance to cover them on the podcast as well, and it doesn't just become a 100% Google-centric podcast. So Bing has released a new API which is quite interesting, which is around letting them know when content has changed. So they've done a press release on their blog, which I'll link to, and I'll just read you the kind of spark notes about it now. At Bing, webmasters don't have to wait to get their content crawled and indexed. Bing offers webmaster the ability to tell Bing about the latest changes in their sites, such as providing latest added, updated or deleted content and URLs. Bing already supports the ability for webmasters to notify Bing about URL changes via its Bing URL submission API. But now, and this is under beta launch, it's also the ability to notify Bing directly about URL along with content changes via the Bing content submission API. So let's not get those two things confused. There's two separate things here. There is the Bing URL submission API, which has been around a while, and the new thing is the Bing Content Submission API. This will not only help webmasters to reach a more relevant uh, uh, to reach more relevant users on Bing, but it will also reduce Bingbot crawl load on their sites. I think that's quite interesting because from the crawl analysis I've seen, Bing tends to be at least in the western hemisphere one of the more hungry kind of bots out there. This blog post will provide a generic overview along with step-by-step instructions on adopting the same. So we won't go through the the, the step-by-step um, instructions here but basically um, it is in beta so you will need to fill out a form to apply for this API access and what you can essentially do then is let bing know when content on your site is actually even updated so this is something that i can see seo plugins like maybe yoast or we've got one for statamic called artwork seo will be doing so if someone goes into a previous previously published page or a previously published post If that's updated apart from doing all the kind of usual API calls so things like if you're using Cloudflare to clear the cache for that page we can actually then start using this API to let Bing know hey the content on this page has updated and that's going to be I think quite interesting because we certainly have seen over the last few years this um, definite set of tactics around keeping page URLs the same and improving and building on content over time, rather than publishing, you know, lots of different new URLs. And certainly in in specific instances, we have seen where improving and refreshing pages of content has let Google, you know, or has has made Google rank them better. So I think that's particularly interesting. You can apply, as I said, for uh, access to this. And hopefully they're going to roll that out for everyone soon. This last one is an interesting one to finish on. So for long time listeners to search with Canda, you will know that since we launched in 2019, we have reported I think at least four or five times in 2019, in 2020, in 2021 about Google indexing issues. And these are you know major indexing issues whereby lots of people are noticing them and thus it becomes news and trickles down to smaller podcasts even like this for us to talk about i'm sure there are lots of kind of indexing speed bumps that we're never aware of as user users that google are detecting and fixing so i found this piece of news quite interesting which is that Google is launching the ability to report indexing issues within Google Search Console. This is currently only gonna be launched in the US, and it means that signed in Search Console users will see a report an indexing issue button under the index coverage report and URL inspection tool articles in Search Console Help Center. So as I said, this is a pilot test. It's gonna be rolling out to everyone in the US within a week. And what will happen is you click on this button that you're reporting an indexing issue, and you're then gonna have to pick between two ways to describe your issue, which is my website or web pages are not indexed in Google search. Or secondly, my website or web pages are indexed but aren't ranking appropriately in search results? Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying not to laugh here because I cannot imagine the volume of reports that Google are going to get from people saying that their web pages are not ranking appropriately uh, in the search results. You know, so much so that I've seen, you know, we've seen the team at Google like Gary Ish tweet a few times. Um, things such as you know, just because Google crawls your pages doesn't guarantee that they're going to get indexed. Google wants to see uh, what you know it judges as a certain level of quality before it decides to include that page in its in its results. Because I guess that you know they're getting a lot of feedback around, hey, you know, Google's crawled my site, but my pages aren't getting indexed. Why not? And I can see the the frustration as well that they're also saying, hey look, it doesn't matter how many times you request indexing of a page, if we don't want to index it, we're not going to index it and just filling out the request and index uh, box and hitting request index isn't going to change things or speed things up. So (laughs) there's definitely been people that are looking and being like, well, I've done this page, it's not indexed, I'll request indexing. Oh, it's still not working, I'll request it again. and i can only see that opening up feedback for my pages are ranking but not well enough is um yeah i can I, I can't see how this is going to work out well for google so i'm not really sure what they're trying to achieve here the only thing i can think is that when they spoke around the indexing issues that they did have and obviously there was a you know fairly dramatic impact we were talking about um you know, I think it was like half a percent of their index, I'd have to go back and check, got dropped at one point, which is a mind-blowing amount of pages, you know, to disappear from the web. And however Google internally was tracking those index issues, obviously they, you know, that managed to happen and get through without setting off enough big red loud alarms that were alerting people to an issue and they were obviously getting feedback from from people so I, I could see that maybe they're having this button to give them that earlier warning um, and give people a clear route rather than you know moaning on twitter or a forum about pages not being indexed or dropping out of the index to try and give them like a plan b so I'm sure they've changed you know maybe things that Um, trigger alerts their end or you know that kind of back-end stuff Um, but yeah that button I'm not sure how helpful it's going to be based on what sounds like the quality of feedback they're getting but hey um, what do I know it's going to be there so if you've got indexing issues you're in the US click on it and you'll be able to do that and if the test goes well um, I don't know how they're measuring that but it will probably be rolled out to everyone and that's all I've got time for this week. I'm going to be back on Monday, the 17th of May with another episode of Search with Candor. So do join in. Um, as I mentioned last week, um, at Candor, we've got a whole bunch of roles going at the moment for SEO specialists, for PPC specialists, for account managers. So if you're interested in them, check out our website. You can just Google Candor Agency. Otherwise, I hope you all have a fantastic week.